But we're returning this morning to our study of the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading beginning in verse 20. We can find that uh, printed for you in your bulletins. Ephesians 3, verse 20. This is God's word. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I was talking to somebody this week who had just spent some time with a guy who planted something like eight churches. And he said over the course of their conversation, he referenced these two verses over and over and over again. And I think you can see why as, as we've read them, these verses tell us that there is a glorious, not something, but a glorious someone at the center of all reality. There is a glorious someone at the center of all reality that is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. The NIV says imagine, and I like that a little bit better. One who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine on behalf of his church. Do you, do you believe that? believe that, that? That God is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think. Do you dare to believe that? Do, do our prayers show that we believe that? Or have we become cynical about God? What do you think God's going to do in and through Grace Presbyterian Church? Uh, a church plant meeting in a cafeteria uh, less than 75 people here today. What's he have in store for us? Can he make this group of people, no matter our size or where we may meet, a place of, of, great, of grace and evil? Uh, can, can he make this a place where people hear good news about Jesus Christ? Can he use us to build his kingdom? Can he use us for the good of the city of Spartanburg? And what about in your own life? What about in your own life? Can you do anything about your financial difficulties? About your marriage difficulties? About the, the problems you're having with your children? Can you, can you work in your heart? Can you change the things, the places where your heart's hard? Can you do anything about your sin and your addiction? About your cynicism? About your doubt? Can you really do anything about your lack of faith? Can God make you a person, as, as we saw last week, can God make you a person who more and more finds his identity in Jesus Christ and really believes that, that Jesus loves you and begins to experience the fullness of God? The answer of our text is yes. A thousand times yes. And I, I think if we really believe this as a people, we would be a people of great hope and great joy and fervent prayer. Uh, and are people who delight to, to praise and to worship our God. Uh, there's a scene in Despicable Me 2 uh, where, you know, the character grew, and, and, and he, I forget what's happened, but he's, he's very excited about something, and they show him, you know, helping ducks cross the street and playing Frisbee in the park, and, and the whole time that song, Happy, is playing in the background. Uh, and he's and you guys know what that fit, you know what it is to feel like that. But something just happened, and you just kind of like you're in a good mood though. You're kind of singing. You're glad things are going well. These verses, 
verses, I think, are Paul's version of that. Because he's happy, he's excited, but he's not just excited because he's having a good day. There's a joy that he's expressing in these verses that, that finds its root in God. And that leads him to praise God. So what I want to do is look at just three things in these verses that should excite us and lead us to praise and worship God as well. God's power, God's church, and God's son. Simple things. God's power, God's church, and God's son. First of all, God's power. Now, if you think about it, this doxology of praise is kind of the culmination of the first three chapters of Ephesians that we've been working through. Over the course of these chapters, uh, Paul has talked about how God set his love on believers before time. That he, that he chose to do that with people who had rejected him. He chose to make people who were spiritually dead. He chose to take these spiritually dead people and to make them alive out of His free grace. About how God saved us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and that our works didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, how God, through the cross, removed the barrier that existed between God and man. How God, through the cross, removed the barriers that existed between Jews and Gentiles. And then last week, again, we saw him praying that, that these people that God had rescued and placed in this body of Christ, the church, how he prayed for them. That they would really find their identity in Christ and know how much Christ loved them and, and, and learn what it would be to be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he stops after that prayer and he's excited because it's like he realizes the God I serve, the God I worship, has done all of that. And he's able to answer this prayer I've just made on behalf of God's people. And he's able to do far more above and beyond that. Far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine. Because he's a God of unlimited power. The same power that was at work creating the world and raising Jesus from the dead uh, and bringing us from death to life. That's the power that is at his disposal at all times. And so the question for us is, believe that? Do you think God can do far more abundantly than all we ask or think in the church? Do you think God can do far more abundantly than all we ask or think in, in this church? Uh, some of us remember uh, when we were 15 people meeting in the lobby of a crisis pregnancy center on Sunday nights and playing football on the parking lot out front. Uh, some of us remember when we were meeting in the Wofford Library and getting run out by the security guard at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights. Some of us remember meeting at, at Wofford briefly and having, there was nothing to do with, no place to take care of kids there. And God has taken us from there to here, where he's grown us numerically, uh, he's grown us financially, we, we met our financial goals last year, and, and we can look back and say, wow, look, Look at what God did. Look at what God has done in the life of Grace Presbyterian Church. And we can be excited about that. But then we stop and think, and we're like, well, we're not quite there yet. Like, we, 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 we're not quite in the place where we can be a particular church. And, and we've got to continue on down that road. And so you can be almost scared to be too excited. Because, well, we haven't quite made it yet. And we do want to make it, right? But don't we want much more than just to make it? Don't we want much more than just to make it? 
Don't we want to see more lives change? Don't we want to see adult baptisms because adults are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Don't we want to see people from different races and different walks of life embrace the gospel and, and be a part of this church? Don't we want to see the grace of the gospel going out to the city of Spartanburg through us? Paul says God is able to do all that and more. All that and more. He's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or imagine. He can do that in the church. Can he really do that in your life too? Can you really do that in your life? Some, some of us know the answer to that question very well, don't we? Because we've been in dark places. We've battled addictions. We've wrestled with our own sin. We've wrestled with the ways that we've been sinned against. We've had our backs up against the wall and we've seen God provide for us. And we know all that, but it's so easy to forget all that. To forget all that. To forget what God has done. Our faith is kind of drowned out by the weight of our current <clears throat> circumstances. Some of us are in hard places right now and we can't imagine how God's going to make things better. We can't imagine how God is, is going to work healing. And so one of the things we have to do as a people of God is we have to tell each other these stories of how God's worked redemption in our lives. How God's worked in our lives so that we can encourage one another to really believe that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine. We also, in the midst of our difficulties, have to remember that, that God is more interested in our ultimate happiness than in our immediate happiness. He's more interested in, in your mind knowing Jesus than in our comfort. He's doing things in and around us that take time. He's doing things in us and the people around us that are at times painful. But he's got a view and a plan that encompasses much more than just my life and much more than just your life. And he's not always going to, to work things the way we think. Well, God, you ought to be working this way. He may not make you well. He may not give you the, the, the job of your dreams. Uh, he, he may not give you the, the, perfectly, the perfect poster leader to be for kind of family where nobody needs counseling. We all do. But, but, but he loves you and he's interested in, in, in you. And he's interested in, in your children. He's interested in your grandchildren. He's interested in who you're becoming. And he's able to do far more abundantly in your life, in the lives of your children, in the lives of your grandchildren, in the lives of your neighbors than we could ever ask or imagine. He, he really can bring that prodigal child home. He really can work healing in your marriage. He really can bring an end to that addiction you're struggling with that you've kept hidden for so long. He really can work in the, the heart of the friend you have that seems so hardened to the things of God. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. In, in fact, other passages in Scripture show us that He wants you to to pray in a way that from our perspective looks like we're praying so much that we're annoying Him. Right? He wants you to annoy Him with your prayers. Keep coming back to Him. Don't give up on God. Uh, Brian Chapel tells the story of a, a woman who was 
childless and had been praying for a child for some time. He said she she grieved over that childlessness. Uh, she also grieved over and was disturbed by the fact that there were women who could have children and yet choose to abort them. And so one day she was praying in her garden. She prayed that God would help her give life to children in whatever way He would lead. In whatever way He would lead. Nine months later, he says she gave birth to the first pregnancy resource center in St. Louis, Missouri. And since that time, literally thousands, thousands of children have been spared due to the prayers and labors of this lady named Mary Nelson, who was childless and simply prayed. He didn't answer the way she might have expected, but he answered it in a much more amazing way. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. Keep praying. He's able to do far more abundantly than all you can ask or imagine. So the first thing we, we see in this is that knowing that should lead us to worship God because our powerful God is able to do that far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine. Now, the, the second thing we, that, that should excite us here and lead us to worship is what He's doing in the church. And Here's what I mean by that. In verse 21, notice how he says, To Him be glory in the church. To Him be glory in the church. Now later this afternoon, the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots are going to try to find glory where? On the football field, alright? One of them is going to receive the glory at the end of the game. The place that God is glorified is the church. Uh, John Piper calls the church the theater of the glory of God. Theater of the glory of God. If you'll remember back in verse 10 of chapter 3, we read that God's plan is that through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Uh, Piper writes that the reason God created the world and called the church into existence was so that he would have a sufficiently diversified yet unified system of mirrors with which to reflect the glory of His many-sided wisdom to the universe. God takes troubles. God takes spiritually unhealthy people, spiritually broken people, people who, who need healing in a thousand different ways, and He connects them to the body of Christ where they can grow together and preach the gospel to one another and pray for one another and confess their sins to one another and be encouraged by one another. He, he connects us to this church where we begin to get well. The church is the theater of God's glory because it's also His hospital for sinners. It's the place where He takes broken things and He makes those broken things beautiful. Uh, I read a story this week about a a boy who grew up in Kenya, uh, and he, he had to study by a kerosene lamp and by a, the, a, a wood fire, and he was smoky, and the smoke always kind of irritated his eyes, and he, he found, out, found it hard to, to study a lot of nights. And so what he did was he created a portable, solar-charged LED lantern to study by, and he built it from scrap metal and pieces of broken solar panels. And he created this little LED lantern to study by, and for others to study by as well. He, he made something beautiful, something life-giving, 
from something that was broken and discarded. And he gets the glory for that, right? He did that. Um, he created that. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like you're the, the broken and discarded scrap metal. But you're the, the broken and discarded solar panel. But God is able to make you. He's able to make you and all your brokenness into something beautiful. He's able to make you into someone who's, who's life-giving to the people around you. And He does that. The place He does that, the place He makes you beautiful is in the fellowship of the church. As you're connected with other believers. And so He gets the glory in the church because of the work that He's doing in the church. We see God's power. We see where that power is displayed. And then finally the text says it's the one, the one that God works through. He works through His Son. He works through Jesus Christ. The text says, glory to God in the church and in Christ Jesus. I did to steal from John Piper again. He says, Jesus is the main character in the drama played out in the theater of the church. So here's this place where God is at work. This is the theater of God's glory. And Jesus is the main character in that theater. He's the main character in the story of redemption. Or another way to look at, it, look at it would be Jesus is the surgeon in the hospital that is the church. He's the one that, that operates on us. That heals us. Jesus the one who was, you know, you think about it in the Bible, he was despised. He was afflicted. He was rejected. He was crucified. That Jesus is the risen Savior, the great physician in the hospital of the church. Where God displays His glory through the amazing surgical skill of His Son. God does far more abundantly than all we could ask our faith through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ and His Gospel. And so what you and I desperately need as people who are a part of the church is we desperately need Jesus. We desperately need Jesus. And what that means is we have to, to quit hiding, quit pretending that everything in our lives is okay, and let people in the church see your woundedness so that the balm of the gospel can be applied to that woundedness. My family, we're always trying to find something we can watch together as a family. And we, we stumbled on this show called Sight last week. Um, and, and, in the, and in the, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, so don't get worried or excited. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, but in the, but in, the, in the first episode, this guy got bit by a dog, and he's trying to cover up that wound because he knows that that wound is seen, and he's going to get convicted of this crime. And so he conceals his woundedness to protect himself. And in that, what we do as well, we try to conceal our woundedness. We try to conceal the way we've, we've been hurt, the way we've suffered, and we cover that up in order to self-protect. And when we do that, we don't get well. We never get well. Those wounds continue to fester. The, the church should be the place where you can expose your wounds place where you can expose your wounds and find healing. So, so Paul's excited. He praises God 
because God's power is displayed in the church through Jesus Christ. Thinking about what God has done, thinking about what God will do and can do, causes him to turn and to worship God, to simply say, glory to God. And here's the thing. When we get to that point, when we can really turn away from all the, the hiding and the pretending and the trying to fix it ourselves and the denying and, and turning away from, from our self-pity, and when we turn in the midst of all our doubt and all our questions and all our sin and turn to Jesus and begin to worship Him, even if it's through our tears, that's the place where real healing begins in our lives. When we turn to the Son and worship Him. So if you're trapped in your fears, trapped in your doubts, trapped in your sins, I want to invite you this morning to, to quit hiding. Just, just quit hiding. Quit dwelling on how unworthy you feel like you are. And put your faith in the Son. Put your faith in I, I think, let me, let me tell you what that looks like two ways. It may be for you receiving Him as Savior, that you've never received Christ as your Savior. You've never trusted Him as your Savior and Lord. you never publicly professed that and been baptized and become a member of the church. It may mean, though, that, that you're already a believer, and what you need to do today is, and, and, and this week, is to repent of your cynicism, as we did in our prayer confession. To repent of our cynicism. Repent for having given up. And maybe you haven't prayed for a long time because you really have given up. But today is the day you start praying again. Because you know that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we've ever asked or imagined. Let me pray for us. God, I, I, I just pray that we believe that. Uh, that we believe that you're able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine. That you love us, that you give Jesus for us, that you're committed to working for our good. And I pray that would make us hopeful, and joyful, and honest, and prayerful, and that it really would lead us to worship. And we ask you to do this thing, exactly.